God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction, Deanna. Hello, friends. Welcome back to God's Love Language with your friend and mine, Joe Enlow. That would be me. It has been basically two months since our last podcast episode. In that time, we have been busy building our new website, making it more professional, more efficient, and more interactive. Please check it out. Leave me a comment telling me what you think. I would appreciate that. Along with that, I want to thank Dr. Gary Demers, PhD, for all he did to make this happen. Please check him out at his site on Facebook, which is called Quill and the Cross, Q-U-I-L-L, or at GaryDemers.com. His last name is spelled D-E-M-E-R-S. I'm excited to announce that soon I will be collaborating with Dr. Demers on a few podcast ventures. Stay tuned for that. I'm also excited to announce that on the date of this episode's release, today's date, May 4th, my youngest son will be getting married. We are all excited about that around here in this family, and we wish them blessings and a full one's flesh relationship. In episode 12, I left off discussing the topic of the creation of woman and introduced the concept of one flesh. I made the statement that the proper role of the man and woman is clarified in a scriptural injunction that they should leave their parents and cleave unto each other and become one flesh. There are two very important ideas to catch here. One is that the man and woman will leave their families to become one flesh. The implication here is that all the training and instruction to successfully become one flesh with another is conducted in the family of origin. That hypothesis will be covered in future episodes. The other idea is, what is the meaning of one flesh? Understanding what it means to be one flesh will help us clarify why man and woman were not created separately as two separate and complete entities like the animals and the, uh, the angels and other heavenly beings. Before I get started, though, I want to preface my teaching by reminding you of this very important concept. Actually, it's more of a rule. The only way to truly understand anything in this world is to do your best to look at it from God's perspective. From the point of view, or through the eyes of a loving, grace-giving, merciful God who has a reason for everything he created, physical or spiritual. If you look at it from an earthly, fallen humanity perspective, this will not make sense to you. It is, it is like reading any book. If you do not know what the author was thinking and picturing in his or her mind as they were writing, then you come up with your own interpretation and vision of the author's words. In fact, some people who read book clubs will say, well, that's, that's the good part about it. You create your own world about that book if you do it without knowing what the author really meant. But to get to know what the author really meant or what they were thinking you have to talk with the author, get to know them well, then you will have a better understanding of their book. The same goes with God. His word is to be studied and understood from his point of view and by studying it in its entirety. The bonus we get with studying God's word as a Christian is the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us understand the mind of God. 
With that being said, here's how I understand the concept of one flesh. It begins with looking at Adam before he was split, before God split the Adam, and before he and his female counterpart, Eve, fell into sin. Let us look at the New Testament. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22, and 44 through 49. Paul calls Jesus the last Adam and the second human and compares him with the first human, Adam. Appalling concept explaining that by becoming human, Christ became the second Adam and began a new creation. Christ is thus contrasted with the first Adam. But I wondered what was different about the first Adam compared with all subsequent human people that came along. What made him different that he could only, Christ could only be compared with that first Adam? Yes, Adam was a physical man. He had no belly button, and he had no sin when he was first created. However, for the purposes of understanding one flesh, I would submit to you, and this is my hypothesis, that the thing that Adam and Jesus had most in common was that they both contained all the elements of humanity, both male and female attributes as we understand them, the ones that were later separated in Adam when, when Eve was made from him. No other humans had these godlike qualities. And yes, I believe God is this total God containing all qualities we know as male and female, but are not called that by God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and 46, it says, So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Verse 46, However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. Well, the Greek words for spiritual and natural are in the neuter gender here. Neither masculine nor feminine. They talk totality. So Jesus and Adam, Adam before the split, were as fully human as can be. They were the only two humans who were ever fully human, the kind we will be again in heaven. And that is why they call, can be called the first and second Adam, or the first and second man. Now make sure you know this. Jesus was fully human and fully God, but while on earth, he operated from his human nature, not his divine nature. Otherwise, he could not legally be a sacrifice and pay for the price for all human sins. He had to overcome as a man, or he cannot say that he suffered or was tempted like us. That is why the word says it plainly. In 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says Jesus was the last Adam, the second man, that is why his victory here on earth was so complete. He did it as a man. If he wanted to save us as God, he could have done that from heaven. In the divine heavenly court, there were, that was against God's rules, though. That is why Jesus had to become a man. He had to be born of a human woman, be tempted and suffer as a human, and die like a man. There is, there is so much more detail to this, and I hope to be able to expound on this in later episodes. But for now, let's get back to our teaching. Paul told us this in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And Jesus told us in Matthew 22.15, Mark 20, excuse me, Mark 12.20 and Luke 20.29. It is the same story in all three Gospels. 
in the resurrection, we will not marry nor are given in marriage, but we will be like the angels in heaven. Angels do not die, they do not propagate, and therefore have no need for marriage. We will be transformed to a glorified human body similar to that of Jesus' body after his resurrection. We will be complete in having all the attributes that Jesus had as a man or as a human, and Adam did before the fall. We will be part of the bride of Christ, serving and bringing glory to God in our eternal existence. Now, How does this relate to one flesh? Remember in episode 12, I walked you through the creation of Eve and what a help meet really meant. This is what I said. The significance of this phrase, help meet, is that the woman is a creation who is a fitting and proper companion for Adam because she is like him and corresponds to him. She came from him. This concept is further solidified by the description of the creation of woman as being formed from the rib of Adam, a rib being a metaphor for a person corresponding to Adam. The proper role of the man and woman is clarified in the scriptural injunction that they should leave their parents and cleave into each other and become one flesh. The oneness of the man and the woman, as described by these two phrases, refers to more than just the act of procreation. They are to each leave their parents who have cared and provided for them both physically and spiritually, and now, corresponding to each other, are to help care for and nurture each other. And I would add to that they will do the same for their children, if they choose to have children. Here we have God creating his first institution on earth, the family starting with a couple, later to be followed by children. That, my friends, is how you get the one flesh back together. What was split into two parts, the splitting of the original Adam, is now brought back together through our union with the opposite sex, human. Male and female, humans are designed to fit back together to form one flesh. And in a perfect world, I believe any man and any woman could have become one flesh together. It would have worked naturally in an unfallen world. God knew, however, that sin would enter and attempt to destroy this concept. In fact, if you're the enemy, Satan, how would you have tried to interfere with God's plan for humans to have dominion on earth and come together and multiply? You would try and destroy it prior to them getting together or and or destroy the family institution altogether. Think about what's happening today. This is mostly done by the driving force behind all sin selfish, obsessive worship of the self. Putting yourself first, idol worship of the self at its core. You feel your desires and needs should come before anyone else, and that is the opposite of what Scripture teaches us. I challenge you to look at any sin in the Bible and not be able to apply this truth. Adultery, murder, theft, lying, etc. all fall under its blanket. Now, do not hear what I'm not saying. Man and woman are mostly alike in their bodies and DNA and basic chemical and physical makeup. Whether an individual is a normal man or a normal woman is determined determined mostly by the sex chromosomes and the secretion or lack of secretion of certain chemicals at the key moments in his or her developmental life. And remember, according to scripture, when we 
rise from the dead, we will neither marry nor will we be given in marriage, but we will be like the angels in heaven. There will be no need for procreation, body parts, or organs. For the most part, becoming one flesh is an earthly concept and restricted to our flesh or human functions. Why? If God has a reason and a purpose for all the intricacies involved in creation, what is the purpose? Why split the atom and then have them come back together? Why would God create humans differently than he did spiritual creations in the heavenlies or even the animals? We will discuss this in episode 14, which is available now for your listening and thought-provoking pleasure. Deanna, dig us out, please. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com, or you may email Joe at jnlow at GodsLoveLanguage.com. 